0: things that are happening. Um, You know, I talk a little bit about news, tech, everything, video games, all kinds of fun stuff. So let's talk about all the stuff happening. So first of all, um, this week has been insanely busy, like life has been busy this week. I have been doing, my semester started Wednesday, so that means all my courses had to be up and ready to go. I'm still working on I have like the first six to eight weeks of my classes prep but i'm still working on i have let's see seven more units to prep so there's going to be a couple new videos coming out over the next week because i'm probably going to do all the videos next week and have them all done so you're going to see some new videos coming out also if you noticed i published i did publish two videos um about my esports club. They're just simply advertisements for my uh, esports certificates and club and stuff at UNCW. The reason is we needed them to put them on YouTube somewhere. So they're simply hosted on my channel. They're not really content that I wanted to add for anything. Um, But you're more than welcome to check those out, right? Um, So I've been doing that. I had this presentation yesterday where I talked about the investing and money financial portion of esports. Like where where would someone in esports how would you invest in esports what does that even mean and stuff and you know one of the things that i really hit on in this in my and i should do that whole entire video like i should do that presentation as a video for you guys um and i probably will for my channel but one of the things that i find most interesting about the statistics for esports is that the numbers are cool and meaningful and impactful but we're not using the numbers correctly. So there's a validity issue in the numbers. It's not that the numbers are incorrect. Validity means the use of what you have is incorrect. Um, So, you know, we do a lot of comparing the esports numbers to sports. And the the issue that we have is that sports numbers are calculated differently. So for example, in esports, the major statistics we have are, you know, viewership numbers, peak concurrent viewers, which are how many people were on at one time. Um, y- total views, which is can mean something to different organizations. Does that mean unique views or total views? Because one person could connect 20 times, Or is it by device? How many different devices connected? So those are two different numbers. And then we have hours watched and minutes watched. The issue is that those aren't the same numbers that like we get for the statistics for the Super Bowl and everything else. So comparing them number wise isn't necessarily fair unless we're doing it, you know, adjusting for all the the differences, the way we calculate things. Um, So you can't compare those two. But I will say, having said that, the numbers for eSports are impressive and are really cool. And I'm super happy with those numbers um, that I like to see. I just don't, I, you know, I do sometimes when I talk to people, make that comparison, of uh, this, you know, this impressive numbers comparing it to super bowl and everything but i do mention that they're not a hundred percent those numbers aren't a hundred percent valid in that they're just calculated differently that's all it's a very important thing so it was one of the things that i one of the big points that i brought up during that conversation was just that it's very difficult to compare those two things so that was like one of the big points i brought up but i did talk about the differences between sports and esports so I wasn't really even planning on talking about this topic today during this, but now I'm all all about it. Um, but some of the differences, you know, first of all, I don't look at when people say is esports a sport. I don't, I don't consider it. I don't. It's a whole new thing. Why can't it just be its own thing? Why does it have to be a sport? I almost wish we had a different name for it because of that. I do like the name esports, but like why does it have to be a sport why can't it just be its own different thing it's like you know when we had the radio and stuff like that and tv come out came out we didn't call it like e-radio we called it tv like it's its own th- it's really it's a form of media but tv was its own thing it was different than radio and esports is is that different from sports it's its own separate thing right um so some so that's like the big big thing but the that i like to point out to people but one of the big differences between these is that sports have been around for since the beginning of man i mean you hear about like you know the first olympic games happening in ancient greece and stuff like that like we've had competition in sports you hear about like native american tribes having various games like every this happened in society like many thousands or more years ago so um The fact that sports have been around for thousands of years makes their level of acceptance in society and the way that we use them and what they mean to us significantly different than what something like an e-sport would, the, the meaning of that. I mean, you know, my grandparents, who are no longer alive, would have no clue. They didn't grow up with esports. There was nothing about my childhood that said you will like this, that you grew up with this. It was part of your tradition, part of family. Whereas like going to a professional baseball game is something that I grew up with, going with my grandfathers to a baseball game and eating a hot dog at a pro baseball game and that kind of excitement. But like you never would have done that with esports. So it's not ingrained in our traditions, in our society, the way that some other sports are. So I, I really feel like comparing the two is just... I don't know why we do it. I really think it's trying to like compare radio to television. Like they're just they're two very different things. Let's let them live in their own separate ecosystems. Let's look at esports for what it is. It's a cool new way that people are communicating and joining together to create a sense of community. Um, there are teams, there are people doing all kinds of stuff. There's some cool new jobs being created. It's a, it's a new industry, right? Um And I like to look at it like that. I don't want to say, well, compared to sports numbers or is it a sport? I I just don't like those questions. I don't think we need to do that. I don't see any reason. Um, And then getting into the investment side. So here's something that I think is absolutely fascinating. So when we calculate eSports, like so when we look at um, how how much is the eSports industry? What's the value of eSports? How much money does this generate? Um... And we started looking at those kind of numbers. It's really interesting. So first of all, if you go out and search the web and you're like, what, how much is this industry valued? All that kind of stuff. So eSports is valued around $1 billion when you look at any numbers or statistics you see online. But then you go to look at the value of the gaming industry. So the predictions for 2022, let me just put it this way. The gaming industry will be worth around $200 billion. The gaming industry in 2022. The esports industry is estimated to be valued at around $2 billion. So 1%. So esports is valued at 1%. So the way that the esports numbers are calculated is that they are its ticket sales, media rights, um, team winnings, and sponsorships, things of that nature. Here's the problem with all of that. So let's say i am a huge fan of professional league of legends and you know which i am one of my favorite players is one of the most popular ones is faker so let's say that i am watching faker stream and play and stuff like that watching his tournaments just i just watch him on stream regularly like watching what his him and his team are doing like watch his plays and i see him playing one of my favorite champions and i notice he has this skin for the champion if you're not familiar with the video game skin basically like okay so like i have this uh white mtv shirt on and just imagine if this was my avatar in the game i played like this and you know what i want my character to wear a blue mtv shirt or i want my character to wear like a whatever shirt a different shirt So basically in game, you can change the way your character looks. This may seem like not a big deal, but actually when you you're staring at your character and you play them all the time, you like to change the way they look. Cause sometimes like, let's say I normally shot like blue fireballs out of my hand, but like when I buy that new shirt, it makes me shoot like gold fireballs with sparkles. So sometimes these skins do more than just the the way you look, they affect all your abilities and make you look a little different. So it's kind of cool, right? Kind of varies things up and, and gives you some customization of something. So people like it. So anyway, that's what a skin is, if you weren't familiar. But uh, let's say I see that Faker has this new cool skin out there that I really didn't want to buy, but I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of want to be like Faker. I like that he's using it. That's kind of cool. And I go out and purchase that skin because he's using it. Guess what? Unfortunately, that money that i just spent and some skins are like 30 dollars uh and most of them are only like five dollars so they're pretty inexpensive. but on average like let's say 10 to 15 dollars a skin that amount of money does not count towards the value of esports it counts towards the gaming industry which is a significant problem and that's just one example of the hundred other problems that are um not being utilized when you calculate the value of the esports industry and i I need to do a video on that topic specifically because it is a big problem that we're having um so you know it's almost going to become difficult to separate esports with the gaming community when a game is an esports game because the, the big question I guess I would have is if there was no competitive scene of League of Legends, if there was no such thing as competition in League of Legends anymore, if they got rid of it, there was no they, they could keep their ranking system, but let's say there was no more eSport, would League of Legends be the same game that it is right now? In that, would it have the same amount of users? And would it make the same amount of money? And my guess is that it would not. It has a huge following. People are playing it to become professional. A significant amount of players are doing that, to enter tournaments, to enter leagues, even if that's not at the professional level, just to play with a team and be a part of that scene. So I think that we're doing ourselves, the the field of esports is doing itself a big disservice from separating itself. I think you need to look at League of Legends, all the money the game makes, and say this game is an esport, everything about it is part of the value of that industry. And determine the value of the industry that way. I think we have a lot of issues there. So I think we're having issues with statistics, and we're having issues with determining the value of the industry. And I think that's all going to change in future years. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, why, why would it stay the way that it is? It literally makes no sense to me. All right, so that's e stuff. Boom. Done talking about that for right now some other stuff oh yeah so check this out i'm going through my uh... so yesterday we were talking i i did in random access monologues we were talking about um like old cool stuff that we have like how we collect things and and different stuff like that as you know i'm a big collector of stuff i love old things things that i grew up with i mean I'm i'm just an interested person so like I don't know, and I used this as an example yesterday. I don't know the first thing about stamps. But if someone collects stamps, I understand that there's, like, this history behind it. And, like, they're neat. Like, there's an art on it and why people would collect it. And I don't know anything about it. I don't collect them. But if you collected them, I could have a conversation with you about it. Because I'd be, I'd be interested to hear about it and about your collection. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like, hey, it's a neat thing. Um, anything is, I don't, I don't care what it is that you collect. Of well, the guy I was talking to, Mark, he was talking about, he collects old Pez. And I know that's like a collecting. I know nothing about Pez other than it's a candy that I ate as a child and my kids still eat it. You can buy the little things, but I know that there are people out there who like to collect them. So it's interesting to hear about that. Like I'm a big person that can watch American Pickers or, uh, you know, any of the, uh, the, the Pawn Stars, any of those kind of shows. Because I love the history of it. I think it's fascinating. It's one of the reasons why I do my interviews. Like when I interviewed Alan Alcorn of Atari, I want to talk to him about Pong. I am so fascinated in that old tech. Even Now, I personally love all the tech and love... I mean, you can tell that I love the old Pong stuff. I mean, I've got a machine right here, right? But even if I didn't like Pong specifically... I am fascinated by the fact that of the history of it. I think it's so interesting and amazing. I love it. And so having said that, um, I was cleaning out some boxes today and lo and behold, I find three great pieces of history right here. Super Mario Brothers 1, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers 3. I cleaned them up because they were a little dusty. But this is the Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt game. So this was, so when, when I was a kid, you would buy this. And so when this the Nintendo was first invented, it came with just Super Mario Brothers. But then like a couple months later or something, they released a version that came with Duck Hunt. So you actually had two games on one game, which was really cool. That was like a pretty neat thing back then. You could have two games on one. All the games came with these little plastic covers that you see here. Um... And you can see this is what the discs look like. We used to have to blow in them. Well, we thought you were supposed to blow in them, because there was dust, but really you weren't supposed to blow in them. That wasn't actually good. Because sometimes there was like chips and like a battery in here and stuff. If you took these little cartridges apart. But funnily, these things I mean, they have millions of these out there, but they are they do sell for like, you know, people pay like sometimes 10, 20, 30 dollars for these old cartridges. Now when you used to buy these games, they were 50 dollars. So when you would buy them separately. But Duck Hunt also came with the Zapper, Nintendo Zapper. And what they did is, I guess at some point, parents complained about the Zapper looking too... I mean, this does not look real whatsoever, right? And the trick to using the Zapper was literally you held it, like, directly on the screen to get the duck. (laughs) It was pretty bad. But a very cool piece of technology. It plugged into your Nintendo... And very people, very cool piece of technology. But so the zapper, which look at this, does this look real? No, Uh, there's no way someone can confuse this with being real. But I guess someone did. And I mean, this was even in the 80s when like toys looked very realistic. Um, But I guess we were just starting to get to that point in society where we had to change the way those things looked. And they made it from gray to like this bright orange color. which, I think I also had the orange one. I feel like I had the orange one, too. I had both. I had the gray and orange one, um, so I had the orange one. But they made it this like bright orange color. I don't know. I mean, it didn't affect gameplay. No kids cared. Um, other game I had, Mario, that I found, Mario 2. This game, so this game came out when I was in fourth grade. It was one of my, oh man, when this game came out it was like my peak of Nintendo. Cause it was like one of the, I just looked forward to this so much. And my parents were too poor to pay for it for me. So I couldn't get it right away. And I remember one of my best friends had it. So I would go to his house. He got it like right when it came out, his parents would like buy him everything. My parents, I couldn't even get this as a Christmas present. It was $50. Nope. My parents were not buying it for me for Christmas. So I didn't even get this as a Christmas present. Um... I think I did eventually save up or get it like a year later or something like that after it came out. But I remember my fourth grade teacher, her kids at the time were in their 20s. So they're probably like in their mid fifties to 60 right now. And uh, I was probably like eight or nine. So yeah, they're probably like in their mid fifties. She was like, oh yeah, they our thumbs are so sore from playing this all Christmas break. And I just remember being so jealous because she got it for Christmas. And I was so excited that well, I was excited that my friend got it and I could go to his house and play it. <laughs> and then the other game that I found was Super... Ooh, I'm going to make sure there's no water on this because I, I, like, wiped them down with uh, tissue. It just make sure... Yeah, no, they're good. I, I used, like, a, a paper towel. It was slightly damp just to get a lot of the cake dust off of it. Um, and I tried not to go for the sticker part, obviously. But Super Mario Brothers 3. So when this game came out... Um, the cool thing about this game, again, my parents didn't buy this for me right away when it came out. I think I did get it like that Christmas or something like that, but they were too poor to buy this one too. This one came out like a year or two later. So when this game came out, Mario 3, um, the cool thing about it is before the game came out, there was this movie called The Wizard. It had Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years, I can't remember his name, (laughs) and, uh, Fred Savage, that's it. And, Um, in the game, the point of the movie was that the boy, and if you watch my like history of gaming, I talk about that movie because it was there was a significant point in society when that movie came out. I mean, I remember going to the movie theater and watching it, but the movie was about this little kid who was like seven or eight years old who had lost his mom, I guess. And, but he was the kid. So the kid was really good at video games, but the kid didn't really speak too much because he was sad about his mom and video games was like his thing he could like he was like this whiz kid it's called the wizard and that was the name of the movie he could play any game and just get like the highest score in the world you know impossible to do but anyway that's the point of the movie and it was believable enough and cool so um in the movie the final competition the final game which was between like two or three champions of the whole show they they go we're gonna play a game that no one's ever seen before and that was like kind of the advertisement of the movie was one of the things was you're gonna get a preview of super mario brothers 3 it was where because there was no such thing as like previews back then you might have seen like a tv commercial but that was it like there was no like trailer released on the internet kind of thing so we got to see some gameplay from super mario brothers 3 in the in the uh thing and we also the gameplay showed the whistle which was a portal which allowed you to warp and we got to see not really where it was because you couldn't tell in the the uh in the movie where it would have been but you got to see that there was this whistle and it brought you to a special place and it was like i mean people's mouths were dropped to the floor when they saw this gameplay it was like oh my goodness this is like it like this is just crazy awesome type thing. I probably was in 5th or 6th grade when that happened because I feel like it had to be, you know, it had to be 5th grade because 6th and 7th grade I feel like Super Nintendo started to come around. Now maybe 6th grade, even I feel like maybe I guess Super Nintendo might have been 8th grade. So something like that. Anyway, I was in middle school when it came out, but oh man, Mario 3. So, so, so awesome when that game came out. And I do have another game here on my desk, which I probably have shown before. Oops. My, one of my Dungeons and Dragons dice fell because it was on top of this. So this is the Legend of Zelda disc. Now check it out. So this, notice that this disc is absolutely gold and normally they were gray. So, and the Legend of Zelda was one of the, not, it wasn't like the first game, but it was one of the original games that came out for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, I don't think it was out on release, but definitely within like the first few months to year it was out. I had it pretty early, like third or fourth grade. And uh, um, this gold disc was absolutely the coolest thing because all the other discs were this gray color. Um, and this was just so different that it was gold. It was just amazing. And just the, the artwork on it is great. Everything about this game, just the disc itself is absolutely amazing. I so wish that I had uh, the box in like a perfect condition um, graded. It would be such a cool like thing to have. Um, And those are worth a lot of money if you have them in perfect condition. Just thinking back, they were only $50 at the time, which was a lot of money back then. I don't know um, how much inflation was, but it's probably like a two to $300 video game right now. Uh, so they were expensive. That's why my parents were like, no, we're not buying that for you. But uh, yeah, I just remember one day we were standing outside of school, like at the doors being ready to be let in and one of the older kids was just talking about like how he finally found the blue ring and i remember being like oh i have the blue ring and thinking like that's so cool like the older kids who were really cool are talking about like this game that i was playing too and i was the same part that they were and i was like i just thought that was awesome i so remember i remember who the kid was i won't say his name but i so just remember that whole like scene and Things like that are really cool. And I guess I like thinking back to all that stuff, which is why I like some of this old stuff. Um, Because I like to go back and think about the cool stuff I had as a kid. I felt like it was a cool time to be alive in the 80s. And you know what? My kids probably think it's a cool time to be alive right now. And it is, man, they're using like virtual reality. And they've got some stuff that like, you know, I had some advantages, but man, they do, too. So I think they're going to grow up and think some of that stuff, too. And while they're not going to have like physical discs, they're going to have their own memento type thing that they remember. And maybe some of that stuff will be digital only. But like, you know, I've got to say a lot of my memories are digital, like me, not just this disc, it's me playing the game is what I remember. It's not this is just one piece of that. It, it's, it's me playing the game. And I guess that's what they're going to have as well. Um, some of that. So that's super cool stuff that I've been just excited about. I need to do a whole show where I just, a whole couple like videos where I just show some of the old cool stuff and talk about eighties cool things that I have. Cause I have other stuff that's not video game related that I would like show, you know, obviously video game stuff on my desk. I've got the Nintendo power glove, which I've shown a million times. Oh yeah. This was also demonstrated in the movie, The Wizard. This was like the one of the first times we saw this and it made all of us kids go out and spend. It was like $80 or something. Made my dad wait in line. Now, he did get me this. Wouldn't get me video games, but he bought me the Power Glove. Go figure. He wouldn't get me, like, Mario 2, 3, nope. Zelda, nope. But he bought me this $80 Power Glove, waited in line over Christmas, and got it for me. Go figure. And it was weird. Back then, we used to rent video games. So, like, what I did have is while my parents were too poor to buy me any video games, they were able to they would rent any game I wanted so it was like over the weekend they would give me like three dollars and that would mean I could rent three games and I'd be able to rent three games all weekend because you could only rent them for a night but if you rented the game on I guess if you rented the game on Friday you could keep it until Monday because maybe they there was some maybe it was you rented got it for two nights or so you rented a game you got it for two nights so if you rented it on Friday, you get to keep it till Monday because they weren't open on Sunday. So you get like a free night. So my parents were all about like that deal. That deal actually, my my parents are still, and my parents finally started having money when I was older in high school. And uh, that's a whole story I should talk about sometime. Growing up super poor, then your parents all of a sudden can buy whatever they want to. So that was a whole nother thing. But my parents were, are still all about the deal. So, like, that deal that if you got it on Friday, you got to keep it till Monday, so made it so that I could rent any, like, three games in one weekend. I was, like, the kid... I didn't have the games, but I was able to rent the games over the weekend, which was kind of cool because I could get any Nintendo game for the weekend for two or three days. It's um, so one of the reasons I got so many so much exposure to them was I was able... My parents let me rent the games, which was awesome. But, uh... Yeah, anyway, that's, uh... I didn't really talk about any of the stuff going on, so... Let me do that a little bit, and then I'll get going. So um, so this is a big problem that I have right now. This is totally personal, not about me necessarily. But So I told you guys a couple weeks ago that my cat passed away, right? But I have another cat, and he's also just as old. He's like 17 years old. So my cats are allowed to go in my yard. We have a fenced-in yard. They can't escape anything like that and my whole cat's lives they've loved they're outside they love being outside they really don't want to be inside and I have told you that my cat has been more since my other one died he's been more emotional like trying to come in and be with us well what's also been happening is apparently another cat and it's got to be one of my neighbor's cats has been scaling my fence and attacking my cat it's, it literally will... I have a six-foot wooden fence. It will climb my six-foot fence. And I have a part of my fence that's short, only like four feet. But no, it climbs the six-foot part because I've seen it like ten times now. It climbs the fence and starts to fight with my cats. And the problem is... Um, it's not that it does that. It, I, don't, I don't like it fighting... Um, but the biggest problem we have is, first of all, I can't do anything. Because as soon as I open my door, it just bolts. I just saw all bolt up the fence and away, like, towards the houses. Um, <clears throat> the problem I'm having is it attacked my cat. It bit it, like, on its legs. And my cat got an infection. And I just got a $700 vet bill. $700. Which totally sucks. That's a lot of money. It's, like, almost $1,000. Like, that's a lot. Like, that sucks. Like... Okay, I get a vet bill for two hundred bucks for three hundred dollars. I'm not that. I was thinking this would be like four hundred, but no, it was seven hundred dollar vet bill that I had to pay. All because this a cat attacked. So now I'm like, what do I do? So my cat is he's. I mean, he's he's already seventeen years old. He's at the end, right? I mean, he could live five or ten more years, but he's old, right? He's elderly. So you want him to be happy. So my cat, what makes him happy is going outside. I have a specifically have a fenced-in yard for my cats. The only reason my yard is fenced in is for my freaking cat, right? Um, so I do not want to say to my cat, well, I can't, talk, my cat doesn't understand what I say, but I don't want to say to him, you're not allowed to go outside anymore because this other cat might come in our yard and attack you. No, that's not happening. So I talked to my vet. The vet said, well, you can get like this coyote protection thing for your fence. It's like this Wire thing that goes along the inside or outside of your fence. So first of all, that's not happening because my HOA would never allow that. And I'm moving from this house in like a few months. There's no way I would invest in this cat contraption form. Uh, and my fence is big. Like it's not like a one part that is. It's literally like climbing over any part. My fence is big, and it's connected to my neighbor's. Like it would be so goofy. I totally can't do that. So. The only other option I have is to catch this cat. So I had to go. I have to catch the cat live, obviously. I'm not, I don't want to hurt the thing, right? I just don't know what to do. Well, first of all, here's what I did. So first of all, I called or I posted on our Facebook group for my community. I posted, hey, does anyone have a cat that I described what it looks like and no one responded i didn't say what happened or anything i just wanted to see if someone would say it was theirs and i could say hey here's what happened can you keep it inside from now on kind of thing and uh obviously i'd want them to pay for the vet bill but i'm not going to ask someone to do that you know it's just a crappy situation but um you know no one responded so i don't have any other options and since it happened and my cat was in the hospital I'm seeing this cat on my security cam come in my yard. So there's nothing I can do right now. So I... So here's my option. Here's what I'm doing because I don't know what else to do. If you have other options, you tell me because I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. This can't, cat cannot continue to become in my lawn. It attacked my cat and caused it to go to the vet and spend $700. So it can't do that. It's coming onto my in, inside my fence. It's not like it's just a, a dog walking on the road and it steps in my yard. This is like not that's not the case here. This is like a so I bought a live trap. So you can buy like these cage live traps. Um, they cost between like 20, I got it for 20 bucks at Harbor Freight, but they cost between like 20 and like $100 dollars. And uh, basically it's a live animal trap. You put food in, the animal goes in, the bat closes, and it's like cage. It's a cage, that's all. Um, I, he, my parents used to have them as a kid with, like for groundhogs in the garden and stuff like that, squirrels. I remember we caught skunks in them. Oh man, If you catch a skunk in one of these cages, you have to like get like this special like tool to like open it up because you don't want to go near it, right? So what we would do is we'd throw a blanket over the cage. So if the, if the skunk sprayed, it wouldn't get you. Um, and then we would open up the top and use a hose to like spray it away, like spray the skunk. They never sprayed us, but they would bolt, man. Ooh, that was nasty. I remember getting the catching the skunks in the cages. But anyway, my dad would catch like squirrels that were eating the roof or something. And like, you would just take them into the woods. Cause you can do that with a squirrel, right? You could do that with a groundhog. It's very easy to take them and put them somewhere man you can't do that with a cat though like especially if it's like a person's like they own it so like i don't know what i'm supposed to do but i can't let it continue so i have to catch this cat and then i have to call well first of all when i catch the cat i'm going to post the actual cat's picture in the cage on facebook and say is this anyone's here's what's happening because what's happening is i have to call animal control to come get the cat um I don't believe our animal control puts cats to sleep. I believe they give them, I called and they said they give them to this adoption place who will take care of it. Um, so what happens is animal control will come, get the cat. They're going to keep the cat, I believe, for 10 days. They post it on their website. They give, so that gives an owner a chance, like 10 days to come and get it um and then assuming they don't then it goes to this shelter place and then i think it has so long before they will euthanize them and i don't i just i don't have any other options so i don't know what i'm supposed to do i'm open to any other option i've talked to my vet i've talked to My parents, I've talked to, I talked to the animal control people who asked, I asked them what I should potentially do. I talked to some neighbors about what I should do. Every person saying the same thing, like, you don't have much choice here. This is what you have to do. Um, So it kind of stinks, but I just, I don't know what else to do. So that's, that's what's happening. So that's a crummy situation I've been put in this week. So... I get to deal with that. I'll tell you guys how that goes because I have to catch this cat. I have to do it Sunday. I wanted to do it tonight, but I can't. I have to wait till Sunday because they're not. Uh, the animal control's not open till Monday, so I have to catch it Sunday night because it comes at nights. I'll catch it Sunday night, hopefully, and then call them Monday. They'll come get it and go through the whole situation. Good times, right? Yeah, always fun stuff happening, right? Um, anyway, y'all. Uh, that's about all that's going on. So yeah. Um, later, everybody. Hope you all have a good weekend.